I've been rich and really, really happy. I've been rich and really, really miserable. I've been poor and really miserable. I have never been poor and happy. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I am just beaming right now because I've been waiting for this recap playbook with the incredible Jordan Belfort, the real Wolf of Wall Street. Welcome to the playbook, my friend. See you. The reason I am so excited is, you know, obviously you and I have had a few interactions throughout our lives and we're evolving, but, you know, having you on my playbook is an accomplishment because I love your philosophy in life and no matter what happens in your life, personal, professional, you're one of those people I know is a winner. Like I would put, if I could bet on you, I would bet on you. It's a good bet probably, right? Yeah, great bet. You know. I, w- I want to take back, when you were young, did you, like I always felt, even when I had no money and I would be around people super successful, that I had it. Yeah. Like in my head, I'm like, oh dude, that, I have it. Yeah. Like I did it, I can do it. Did you feel the same way? Yes, yeah, so when I was young, uh, younger. really young, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, younger, exactly, right? So my, my friend's dad, great guy, he's passed away, but he had an expression about me, you know, it's just like 12, 13, he goes, if you flush Jordan down a toilet bowl, he'll come up holding a plumber's license. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And that sort of like, you know, really defines my life in the sense that, you know, the ability to turn lemons into lemonade, bad situations to good. And I think that what he saw in me was a couple of things. You know, one was massive hard work. I was always willing to work hard on everyone around me. Uh, that entrepreneurial spirit of drive to take risks and try things that maybe I would not succeed at and not be scared to fail. Um, but most of all was my ability to influence and persuade. So that came to me very early. Um, and he was a marketing guy, my dad, my friend's father. So um, yeah, it was a pretty funny, it's like been a theme of my life, that whole thing of you know, always being able to sort of figure out the way, so. That is awesome. The, the interesting thing though, there's this intangible, the unconscious competency of frequency that you carry. From the first time I met you in New York when we were younger mm-hmm. and stupid, um, or really stupid <laughs> and really wild, yeah, <laughs> and we had a good time, which we both you know enjoyed and, and don't look negatively upon. But you carry a frequency; you light up a room, mm. and you train a lot of people mm-hmm. how to sell, how to close. You've done it for a long time right. in a very various industries. You know, how do we teach people that frequency, though, that unconscious competency? To, to essentially light up a room, to have charisma. So, I mean, I, I look at charisma as like a learnable skill. Um, you know, I think the idea, oh, he's got charisma, she's got, oh, he doesn't, so he's kind of screwed, right? And, and I don't think that's true. I think that charisma is a definable skill. It's made up of three things. Um, the first one is the effective use of tonality. So, you know, how you say what you say so that you sound interesting, you sound enthusiastic, you sound empathetic, you can, you know, essentially, through your tone of voice, people can get the emotions that you are feeling inside and you're trying to portray. The second would be the effective or the appropriate use of body language. In other words, how do you essentially move your body as you speak? And just as important, how do you move your body while you listen? One of the great 
qualities that all great communicators have is that when they listen to you in that moment, like Bill Clinton was the master of this, right? You know, in that moment when you enter their magnetic zone, it's like you just get a sense, like, ah, uh -huh, oh, tell. That the, right. the Bill Clinton type, I care, Tony, I feel your pain, I understand you, right? So you have the, those first two. So it's number one, the effective use of tonality, two, appropriate body language, both while you're speaking and listening, and number three, which could be the most difficult thing of all, is not saying stupid shit. Hmm, content. Is what you say. Yeah. When you actually open up your mouth to speak, things that are at least reasonably intelligent come out. Now. Ironically, the, the third can be the most difficult of all. There are certain easy ways to train yourself. Like even just like, it applies to dating. Like I'm big on Neil Strauss, right? Yeah. So like, he, he went this whole thing of the game, right? His thing. Well, a lot of that stuff is, you know, what you say, how you carry yourself, right? You don't really focus much on tonality there. But when it comes to like in a sales setting, or simply walking in and being perceived as a person that you're worth listening to, well, what is that? You know, number one, it's how you dress part of body language, how you wrap your package, how you groom yourself, are you put together, or are you not? Um, the second part really is just that, that, that forceful way of that when you communicate, it makes people want to hang on your every word. So if I had said to you, you know, it's that forceful way that you communicate that makes people want to hang, you're done, you're out. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you already made me self-conscious listening to you. Right, for a second, you know, it's that forceful way that you communicate here, I, I lower my, I'm, I'm telling you this urgency, it's important what I'm saying. Now, for me, that's unconscious confidence. I don't have to think about right. doing this. But for most people, they don't have that. They will, and, and the irony is they think they do. See, in their own mind, as they are communicating, their brain is saying, yeah, you, you'll portray this emotion, attach this tonality, move your butt. But there's a block somehow. There's a, there's a dysfunction in their communication apparatus. The words come out okay, yeah. but the accompanying tonality doesn't come out. They think they're almost tone deaf. Right. They, can't they think hear they that sound frequency. good. I'm like, you know, God, you sound like you put me to sleep. Really? Oh, well, let me talk. Let me be excited now. It's a really great thing. I'm like, you still sound like <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Right, right. And every human being has certain tendencies, natural tendencies. Mine is to speak too quickly. I'm aware of that, so I, I will consciously slow down my speech when I need to. My default though is to speak more quickly, be more animated, use my body a lot, right? Some people are just like, they, they speak so painfully, slowly, and in monotone. Like a great example is Ferris Bueller's there. Remember the teacher? Yeah. Right from that Bueller. one scene, he's like, yeah, Bueller, you know, <laughs> open up your book now in 1943, this all and everyone's like, and you watch the kids like, one kid's drooling, the other kid's like, like say, eat the teacher, right? Like, and we laugh at that because we've all been in the presence of someone that was monotonous like that, with, with monotone tonality and no bylaws. Yet then we could be in front of someone like myself or you or another great communicator, we're not the only ones, right, that have essentially mastered the art of being interesting and fascinating through tonality and bylaws. And by the way, it's learnable because what happens is, is the first step is to become aware, right? Awareness, yeah. right? Once you become aware and you're actually in a sales setting to start through sales, right? You know, you want to figure out what you're going to have to say before you say. You want to essentially script out, not word for word in person, but script out most of the interaction and say, okay, here I want to raise my voice. Here's a actually consciously apply tonality wow. and body language. And what happens is your brain will quickly get retrained. Do this for a couple of weeks. It's like you start actually speaking differently. That's how you so we take all those kids 
back in the day that could barely walk and chew gum at the same time, right? And they became multimillionaires. How? I essentially rewired their communication platform and told them how to become master influencers. That's amazing. The other issue that I have, or thing that intrigues me about you, is your command of fear. You know, throughout your entire, mm. since I've known you, you, you know, from the highs sure. to the lows, back yeah. to the high again, you have something that I was born with as well. It's just a sense of no fear, but yet, People say that about me, and I've been terrified. I'm, feel, I'm full of fear. Yeah. I just don't want to stop me. You know, listen, I think that on some level, we talk about things like courage. That's about acting in the face of fear. I'm fucking terrified too. Of course <laughs> I am. I'm fearful of so many different things about not succeeding in life, not being perceived the right way, not being significant, all the things that we all, all human beings feel. And if you, you're lying, if you don't say, if, come on, we all know, we all feel them, right? But the question is, is what do you do about that fear? Are you paralyzed by that fear or do you step into that fear and just overcome it? Now, there's you know, many different philosophies on how you handle fear. There's some people who say, like, you know, you dance with your fear. And I've heard that. And, that's, and, I, and my power to those people that can really figure that out, I've never quite cracked that code I'm to be able you. to, like, really. No, it's, I, yeah. think it's, I think it sounds great from a seminar stage um, that, you know, <laughs> go dance with your fear. Your fear is your friend. And, yeah, but some sketch shit. I'm still sketch shit, right? Yeah. The idea, though, is to realize what does it really mean? Like, fear and excitement are like two sides of the same coin, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm fearful, but it's really my nervous system telling me that. I have to be hyper alert here. This is important. The stakes are higher. Focus your attention here. So I, I use fear for myself. Like when I'm really fearful, it just means I, I got to focus that much more and I might be miserable. And I will be perfectly honest. You know, I've not always gone through life and been happy. Right. I've gone through life and been very successful financially. I don't get up on stage and say, you know, guys, I'm going to teach you the secret to happiness. That's for the Dalai that's, Lama. That's me, buddy. That's yeah. what I want to no, do. No, I know. I, I <laughs> that's know. really... And it's, and it's wonderful, but I'm not going to be the liar and be disingenuous. Yeah. I can show anyone how to make a lot of money. I'm really good at that. I can't always, even in my own life, crack the code of happiness. I, I want them, hopefully will. Yeah. But uh, I think that, and, and I just don't want to hold myself out there as that guy because it's not genuine. What I am great at, though, is showing people to make a lot of money, right? So I focus on what I'm good at, right? That's so cool. maybe I'll go to the Dalai Lama one day. He'll teach me, you know? Come to Dave Meltzer, yeah. happiness training. Uh, money itself is a motivator for you. It's what you're good, you're good at. Mm. Um, how do you take money and uh, reconcile it with happiness, right? Do you, I, I'd love to hear your kind of philosophy on... So my on, philosophy is this, right? You know, I've been rich and really, really happy. I've been rich and really, really miserable. I've been poor and really miserable. I have never been poor and happy. Hmm. I can't be poor and happy. To me, money is a problem that must be solved. In other words, money doesn't make you happy, but if you are happy, what you can do with money is so amazing. <laughs> it's not like you can, it, let me tell you, if you the, the, what happens to a lot of people, you wonder why people, even like myself, when I blew up at a very young age, right? When I made all this money and I blew up, I imploded. I'm with you. Lindsay Lohan, all, all these pe famous people you see all over the world, right? Yep. Famous, talented people, they implode after getting rich. Why? Because what happens is, is that when you emerge from adolescence and we all emerge with our own wounds and whatever we have in securities, right? So we have this vision of what we want our life to look and say, when I get there, when I arrive, I will be happy. So the fact that I'm not happy right now, I can handle that because I'm taking actions right now that one day will allow me to arrive at happiness. 
But then what happens is, what happens when you, when you actually get rich and all of a sudden you've surpassed all your hopes and dreams for you ever thought your life could be like on a financial level and you're like, oh shit, wait a second, I still arrived there and I'm still me and I still have the same insecurities and fears. The money doesn't solve that, it doesn't make you whole. So at that point, it's almost like the panic sets in like, oh my God, I thought that if I got rich, I'd feel secure and happy and wonderful and amazing, but I still feel like the same person, just with a lot of money now. You get it? Yeah. So, and that's when you start to really, then the drugs start to quiet the critics and the guilt and remorse, and, and that's a lot <laughs> of the problems that, at least in my life, were that, you know, I had some insecurities and I got very, very, I cracked the code for making money very young, yeah. but didn't quite crack the code for being a whole person. Thankfully, I was able to, I'm not saying I'm the most whole person out there, because I'm still not, because I don't think anyone's completely whole, but I think that over the years, I, I've learned to tame the beast inside of me, the things that drive me to, to actually, into self-defeating activities, like instant gratification, cutting any corners, versus sustainable success, giving massive value to people. So I, I've kind of learned that, you know, I had to re-examine my own value system and, and allow me to emerge a much more healthy person by failing. So I learned from my own failures and realigned my values and, and, I, and I've cracked the code now for what I think is sustainable success. Yeah, and we shared that journey together and separately with the same problems, yeah. right? I, when you said, oh shit, like I had that moment in my life where I literally had everything I dreamed of and I lied in bed going, oh shit. Shit, I'm still... And so many people feel that way. Yeah. But we both have something of, of a self-awareness. Even throughout, I mean, even I was telling you, I got in my first argument in a long time with my wife and I have such a, a heightened self-awareness now that I was outside of myself going, shut up, moron. Right? Stop talking. You're burying yourself. You're going to ruin this unbelievable relationship. You're constantly, and you know, from what I've seen, read, true or untrue, you have this great self-awareness where you illuminate the fact that you know you're not whole and you're working on these things. I, I think teaching people that self-awareness of saying, okay, where am I at? What's going on right now? What am I afraid of? What do I love? You know, how screwed up am I? Can you train that? Because I think it's a great sales tool that you can be self-aware while you're presenting or closing yeah. or managing yeah. and developing that. I think, I think that there's, there's, there's an important distinction here, and that is that you have to learn how to become effective even though you're not quite maybe all there emotionally. In other words, I, I think that what you have to do is that you become, you get to this point where you, you know, whether it's self-awareness or not, I'm aware of my faults, I'm aware of my, my frailties, I'm aware of my own self-defeating, um, um, let's say the, the narrative that can creep into my head, right? But I'm not gonna let it stop me from succeeding. I'm not gonna let it slow me down. I'm not gonna let it dictate my actions so they remain as just thoughts. That's why I say I, I haven't quite cracked the code for happiness to block out the thoughts, but I, what I have certainly done and teach others to do is to be able to essentially make a lot of money to, 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 through business and entrepreneurship and sales and marketing is essentially crack the code for making money. And I, I, just to be honest, I leave it to people like you and others to focus on things like happiness or even a Tony Robbins, who I respect yeah. by the way, who does more inner game stuff. The folk, that's like more of his message. 
And I agree with some, I disagree with others, but I know he really tries to do well, you know, he tries to give massive value, right? So there's people like that. I think I, I was very fortunate that I stumbled upon a way of training people at a very young age how to become really, really effective closers. That's the linchpin skill for making money. It really is, is you need to be able to essentially get your point across to another human being or group of human beings whether it's a thought, an idea, a tangible proctor, essentially let them understand how much value it has in a way it doesn't piss them off and alienate them, right? And by doing that, it allows you to make lots and lots of money. Do you think there's a, in your personal life, because I find this, because you know I'm born with the innate skill of overselling, back-end selling, manipulating, and lying. I'm a closer, born eagle. Since I was 12, right, I had the same types of comments, except for it was more like, he's either gonna be a multimillionaire in jail you know, it, interesting things, but you have that innate quantum memory in, in yourself. But in our personal relationships, you know, we institute what we know. And sometimes I find in my personal relationships that I've hindered, interfered, corroded the relationship because I'm closing instead of caring, if that makes sense. No, Do you sure, feel sure. that in your personal I, life, I, I it, think, it, I think it, for it me, can be a I challenge? Mean, I think I did that with previous relationships, not so much with the current one. I had yeah. a great relationship many years, it ended, which is sad, uh, um, and that's unfortunate. Um, but I don't think what ended that relationship was me trying to, it was my ability to influence and persuade <laughs> pissing someone. I don't think that was it. I think in this case, I think part of it, I think is really caring too much what other people think about your relationship. Hmm. I, th I, th I think that, you know, in retrospect, when I look look at my relationship and I say, you know what, you know, did I always act because I felt like I feel like I should do something because I wanted to do something? Like in other words, sometimes we, I think people in relationships they stand too much on ceremony. They feel like if I give this much, I'll be perceived by others as being a certain way, as weak or being manipulated. And at the end of the year, who gives a shit what anyone else thinks about your life but you? Because it's your life, right? And I wouldn't say that's the only reason why this, this relationship ended. But I think also, um, I think people, there's many different types of people in the world. You have to find someone that's compatible for you. And, you know, and, yeah. and, um, and if they're not compatible, then you have to ask yourself a question. You know, maybe, maybe it's just you know, better off to find someone that's compatible. Although... I wouldn't say that's what happened here, but maybe that was part of it. I'm still I took the playbook still, to a personal level on accident. But still, that's Jordan for you. Still trying to figure it out myself. You know, still trying to figure it out. But there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good to it as well. You know. So last topic, most people don't talk to you about, but I deal with it a lot in my life through the ups and downs, and you know, the extraordinary journey that we've taken. But forgiveness has played a huge role in my life, right? Because there's a lot of shit in my background, right. I mean, a lot of stuff that we've done. And um, I have found that it is a source of power for me. What role does forgiveness play for you in your life? I think early on when I first started this comeback, right? And, um, and it was very, mine was very public, right? You know, yeah. mine's, is about as <laughs> mine's as public as you can get, right? Probably the most public in the world. Seriously, yeah, so, you know, exactly. the movie is When you get to millions of people, it's public. I mean, it's, no, it's like hundreds. It's like literally everyone has seen the movie eight times except for people in Iran and North Korea, basically, at this point, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, it is what it is, right? You know, yeah. better or worse. So as long as you cast in on it, it's almost worth it. <laughs> 
I got played by Leo. How bad can that be, right? That's pretty good, yeah. Now we're making a TV series. We got Tom Cruise here and yeah. Leo DiCaprio. TV series is coming out, too. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be amazing, right? Are you going to get a cameo like the real people do oh, all the time? I'm very much involved in Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much <laughs> Got to check that yeah. out. So, so um, but, you know, I, I think in the early years, when I started making a lot of money again, I felt like, you know, that I felt some guilt and I think guilt's a worthless emotion. Remorse is very different. You know, remorse is the active form of it. And I pay back people. And those people already got paid back. There's no one left. No one's getting the money I pay. It just goes into some random fund that gets kept. No one, there's no people. Right. There's no investors. <laughs> They're all, they were rich people. And they don't, add, there's no one left, right? The money sits in the fund, right? But I'm past the point of forgiveness. I've crossed, I went way past that. I've done so much good. I have created so much value for people. I've helped so many people in the last 10 years that if there are these cosmic scales or karma scales, I'm going to heaven. I, you know, I, you I made a lot of mistakes. I hope to boy, meet you there. In, those last 10, in these last 10 years, boy, I can't think of one person that I've touched that hasn't ended up getting 10 times more value from me than I've ever asked them to return to me in the form of money. So my whole mantra in this journey as of the last, you know, since I got out of jail, right? It's been like, I'm just gonna focus on giving massive value to people and monetizing that value, you know? Yeah, but my, my conscious at this point is clear as a bell. I don't owe anybody anything, all right? I'm a, I'm a good guy and I, and I didn't have that, by the way. And the reason I'm saying that so forcefully is yeah. I didn't feel that way for many years. Shame on me for not, yeah. but I, I made my amends with it, all right? And I've, you know, paid my debt to society if there is such a thing, all right? But you know what? My whole brand and business is about helping people. And every day I get 20, 30 emails from people who say I've changed their life. That's a cool thing. And even cooler, I hear it all the time. We circle in a lot of Same similar thing. spheres. See, and I hear, yeah. and it's so nice because I think back when we were young, what morons we were, with good yeah. intent though. What I think it's important to say real quickly is, you know, although we both have made mistakes, like I didn't start that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like really good. Like we, we, I think when you're young, you don't realize the huge impact you can have by overselling, backend selling, lying, manipulating, right? I, I, I really, I feel as if you know, even you with what you were doing, and, and there was an illegality about what you were doing. No it's worse still, than anyone else is doing on Wall Street. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's you know, like look at Martha Stewart, right? Let's just make an example. But moreover, I think the intent. A lot of good people do you know, things that, that forgiveness, yeah. and then they beat themselves up. I have only and witnessed over the last decade exactly what you're saying. And I think that there is no redemption, that that's just your evolution. And if there's gonna be a heaven, you know, I'm hoping that we get to meet up there and have a really good laugh over the journey that we've taken. And I'll, I'll, the amount of people get, that you've changed I lives know. overwhelms anybody you ever heard. Oh my God, like, like and by a million people. And I'll tell you, I'll look at it this way. The mistake I made was I invented a way of training people how to become expert closers. So the damage was magnified. It wasn't just me. I trained <laughs> right. 10,000 back in the day and I didn't give them an ethical underpinning to use that power with it. It was like a little power without responsibility, <laughs> right? right? And the next that, Batman. And, yeah, right, and the Spider-Man, actually, <laughs> right. right? With great yeah. power comes great responsibility. Right. And, and, well, and I was thinking Batman because his superpower is being rich. Yeah, right, he's a, <laughs> right. He pays for all, it makes everyone look good, right? Exactly. So, um, but, but that, so that was like, I think it's like a, any powerful weapon, you know? You have an M16, right? So a mother on a farm, 
could have this M16 and five guys break out of jail. They come to rape them and the kids. She takes out the, that's a good for you, good, good use of the M16. Yeah. Or a guy could take an M16, climb a bell tower and start picking off innocent things. The gun, the weapon is neither good nor bad right. to the intent and how it's used. And I, and I taught in this powerful skill with the straight line system and I didn't make sure they used it for good. Now I do. So, yeah. you know. And you certainly do. Yeah. And I, want everyone to know that here because that is your playbook to success 100%. to provide value create a void and allow the universe to there fill it go. with more good and i certainly appreciate you know your vulnerability the illumination that you do for the betterment of people that watch this because i'm sure there's tons of people at home that are going to watch this go gosh i really feel the same way thank you because it's going to change lives and awesome. you've actually impacted my life thank a you. lot as well thank and you. i appreciate you as a friend thank you thank you